0: Today is Thursday, March 31st, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 454 featuring Barstool Sports Celtics writer Dan Greenberg is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, here we go again. Another new edition of Celtics beat. And uh, admittedly, this one is, and it has nothing to do with the guests. This is just what is happening in the world of the Boston Celtics. It's not going to be quite as cheery as it was when we were joined by Mike Gorman last week, and obviously uh, pie in the sky and everything was rosy, all was right in the world. Celtics, you know, fire up the duck boats. It was basically a done deal with the parade. Now we have questions, lots of them. Let's address them. Adam Kaufman, Dan Greenberg, you probably know him as Barstool Greenie on Twitter. What's up, man? What's going on, Adam? How you doing? Well, I could be better. I imagine you could be better. You've been blogging about it. Look, the the Celtics, like I said, they had won 24 of 28. And now all of a sudden, And it's modest, don't get me wrong, but they've lost two straight games. First time that's happened since mid-January at this point. They had a chance in the most recent game on Wednesday to even the heat atop the East standings. Instead, they lose, so they fall two games back, and now they're fourth in the conference. Some people might argue that's actually a, a good thing with regard to seeding going forward. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And as we know, Rob Williams is out indefinitely I'm just going to say indefinitely I know it's four to six weeks the team has said and reports have said but we're going to say it's indefinitely because we don't know how far the Celtics are going to go and where I need to begin and I know that you will appreciate this and I hope he's out there listening because he's not with us this week this is all everyone pay attention to what I'm saying like get ready to fire up the tweets and everything this is all Evan Valenti's fault It's all Evan Valenti's Uh fault. All of this Uh that is happening that is negative in the world of the Celtics is Evan Valenti's fault. Now, I know he's out there saying, dude, what the hell? What? Why? Let me explain. Let me explain. So, occasionally, I will take time off. I'll miss a show here or there. I'll go on a family vacation, whatever. Like nothing. I don't tend to miss anything that's too huge in the world of the Celtics. But Evan, to his credit, never misses a show, ever. Even if he's not on because he couldn't make it due to his full-time work commitments that day he's still producing the show after the fact he's a part of the creative process this is the first week in more than two years i think that he has actually gone on a real vacation with his girlfriend he's off the grid entirely and now everything has gone to hell for the celtics it's evan's fault if he hadn't gone on vacation everything would be fine
1: now, let me say, I was going to I was going to start by saying, you know, it is a little we can't blame him. And then, you know, he's not here to defend himself. But now hearing your explanation, I would like him jailed. <laughs> you see, it, all, access, it all makes sense. he access a computer so he can produce, but I would like him thrown in jail.
0: Yeah, we, there has to be some sort of a penalty. Maybe we don't let him on the show next week. Well, yeah. I don't know. Not if they're gonna keep losing if you That's true. All of a sudden it's like a four game skid. We have yeah. to have him back immediately. We're gonna end his vacation
1: early. Yeah. So he kinda has us in a bit of a pickle, but yeah. I yeah. I never thought I would ever question uh Evan's dedication, but now everything I know about him might just be a lie. I don't
0: know. You see? That's, that's so shocking. fire up your tweets and send them over. He'll he'll probably first see those before listening to yeah, the show and go, What the hell? What 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 did I do? Now you know.
1: I think what we can do as long as I would ask him if he realizes his mistake and if he owns up to it and accepts responsibility, we'll let it slide because it is just a little two game skid. But if he denies it and tries to make it seem like it doesn't matter when literally anything as small as that could ruin the whole cosmic flow we have, (laughs) I feel like that is actually important. So, I mean, what the hell?
0: And it's it it goes to show his importance to the show because I am like I and look I blame my wife if if in fact you're going to miss me or or celebrate my wife if you're not going to miss me but I have a couple of family vacations planned during this potential playoff run depending on how long it goes there're going to be a couple of shows that I might miss he's going to be here to hold down the fort and I got to say as long as he's here I'm not worried I'm not worried about me not being here it's when he goes away that now all of a sudden I'm concerned
1: man I don't know how you guys have the I can't even schedule a vacation if if I'm going to miss like a summer league game. I don't know. How guys, <laughs> I don't know how you guys do. I would just I wouldn't even enjoy myself knowing that I could be watching meaningless basketball. I don't know how you guys a playoff run that like gives me anxiety just thinking about it.
0: Well, I didn't say I won't find a way to watch the games. I just won't <laughs> necessarily have time to do the show and talk uh, about them publicly I guess I'll right. just furiously right. text people like you talking about what's going on with this team all right let's talk about Rob Williams because like I said four to six week absence so in theory again if the team is able to get there in theory he's able to come back for the second round of the playoffs that's at least what we're hearing right now but I feel like you know it's I don't want to Put this on anyone specifically, but the track record's the track record, right? Like you know where I'm going with this. I, f- I feel like I have to at least say what we're hearing as it relates to the Celtics, because you can go back, you can go back even earlier in this. But even just in the last decade and a half, you're talking about Kevin Garnett or Shaq or Jalen Brown, obviously Gordon Hayward multiple times, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Isaiah Thomas. Like you know, there are, there are all these different instances in fairly recent Celtics history where it's, this guy is going to be back in X timeline and he's not. Yep. Or he is back, but he plays like a game and he's shut down again because he came back too early. So where I feel like we have to start is, do you trust it? Like, are you operating under the mindset that Rob Williams is done for the year yeah. or are you? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're not believing he's coming back.
1: No, well, I look at it as like two sides of my brain, right? The irrational part is saying, Awesome. Four to six weeks. That must have meant when they went into the knee and saw the tear, it was the best possible scenario. And I want to believe that. The other more rational side of my brain is like, hey, moron, like look (laughs) at what every time they've, like you said, they've been in a position like this. It's never been on the quicker side of the spectrum. The only other thing, and this may be my own delusion that I kind of try to reinforce to myself is When you look at the injury recoveries and timelines of this season, we haven't really been lied to, right? Like when Jalen was dealing with his knee issues or sprained ankles or hamstring, you know, we weren't saying, Oh, why isn't he back yet? We were told one date, and now here we are two weeks later when Marcus rolled his ankle, it was the same thing. When Neesmith rolled his ankle, they told the truth. So that's, so while we have a body of work where it's like, Every time a main guy has gotten hurt, they've sort of preached a, a fairy tale recovery. Yeah, we haven't been lied to up until this point this season. Yeah, so I'm hopeful. But in terms of like what I think will happen and how I want the team to approach it, pretend like he's never coming back because what I fear is is they'll be like, oh, we don't have to worry. like Rob will be here eventually, and we'll be fine. And you start overlooking like what's right in front of you. And I don't want that to happen because it is still an unknown. Like he could be recovering great, then get back to practice and may experience swelling or have Mm -hmm. a setback. And now it's, it's not a four week return. So I just think it's like, there's too much unknown and it's too much of a, of a risk to just go full, like both feet. He'll be back in four weeks. There's nothing to be worried about. That's just, that's just wishful thinking in my mind.
0: Well, unless we forget, we're talking about a guy who also has a checkered medical history, you know, through no fault of his own. Like some guys just, you know, they they get hurt more often than other guys. You know, obviously we saw it with Gordon Hayward's career basically in in all life after Utah.
1: Yeah, but Rob, he gets hurt a lot, but it's not like he has prolonged recovery. Sure. You know what I mean? Like,
0: yes, he's constantly... (laughs) That's because when he's out, he's out for months.
1: (laughs) Right. So like he has enough time to recover. My only thought is, is like, none of us have seen what the inside of his knee looked like. None of us have seen right. what the tear is, where it was located. So we have to go by what we're being told. If it was something like, you know, just a sprained ankle and they were like, oh yeah, no big deal, sprained ankle, he'll be back in whatever. And then it's like that time frame has showed up and he's not back yet. You're like, well, what the hell? Kind of like what yeah. happened with Gordon Hayward, like what else is going on here? But if it's something where his timeline is directly related to the severity of whatever the tear is, if they're saying four to six weeks, I have to assume that the tear wasn't as bad as maybe they were thinking going in. And that's why they went that direction, because had they decided to go with the full removal and repair, and it was the season long recovery timeline, that would have been perfectly fine for me personally, like yep. as well, like I just care about whatever's going to put his knee in a good spot. So if it's four to six, great. If it ends up being closer to six than four, great. Like operate as if he's never coming back.
0: Well, and, and to that very point too, and, and there were all these people, and I, maybe you were one of them on Twitter. And if you are, or were, I'm, I'm going to insult you in this as well, but there were all these people after the news came out, like, Oh, like Rob, Williams <laughs> celebrating Rob, what a team guy choosing the shorter recovery so he could come back for the playoff run. This is so great. And I'm, like as as these tweets are coming out, I'm thinking to myself. For and I I felt a little vindicated because Ime said this when he was asked about it by whomever it was in the media. You know, yeah. he he did what the doctors told him to do. It wasn't like Rob said, "Well, I could come back sooner because the East is wide open. This is a great opportunity, and I'm just going to play through this thing." And 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 long term health, be damned. Like kind of was right. Isaiah Thomas's mentality, right. or you know the doctors just say, Hey, this is, this is what you need. This is what's best for you right now. And and you know, we've, we've right. like, like I you, don't said, think you haven't been in the knee. I haven't been in the knee. These guys have been inside the knee. They looked at it and said, this is what you can do. This is, this is what we, the doctors, the medical professionals recommend. There was no like team guy element to this. Yeah.
1: Like, I think, I think it's unrealistic to think, you know, they sat Rob down, Brad's in there, his agents in there. And they say, okay, Rob, here's your two options we would recommend you going with the longer one. And then Rob's standing up and saying, hell no, I want to be <laughs> back for the playoffs. Like, take it I off. want my
0: Willis-Reed moment.
1: Yeah, like, I don't think that is a realistic expectation of how that conversation went. More often than not, they went into the surgery and they, d- they found what they found and they said, hey, Rob, guess what? We went into your knee and we realized that this was actually the path that we're going to pursue because of the situation around your tear. He said, okay, what does that mean? They say, okay, it means you'll be back in four to six. Great. Awesome. We're fine with it. Like as the medical professionals at the best hospitals in the world, we can be confident in that. And so that's why they did it. I don't think before they went into the surgery, he was like filling out a menu of like what option he wanted. Like, all right, scrape a little bit of this, but leave a little bit like, no, I think they went in, they saw what the deal was. They acted accordingly. And we all potentially just got a prayer that it is a shorter option.
0: So a small sample size, we've seen two games now without Rob Williams. The first one Toronto really isn't even fair to evaluate because you also didn't have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. And we'll, we'll talk about the vaccination thing in, in a little bit as well, but yeah. you know, that was, you're down four starters. You go out there, you still force overtime, should have won the game. You end up losing. You allow 66 points in the paint, something that never would have happened if Rob Williams were available, even if he were the only one that played and the other guys didn't, I believe you win that game. The Miami game, again frustratingly winnable game as I was tweeting about and I'm sure you were writing about in the Celtics they go out and and did not play well didn't shoot well missing layups all over so it's I, I firmly believe not that I'm putting it on him individually but I firmly believe if you have a healthy Rob Williams available as they did for the last however many games you go out you beat the Raptors you beat the Heat and we're talking about 26 out of 30 right now obviously yeah. that's not the reality and that doesn't mean Horford and Tice didn't play well in, in their roles last night. But, you know, this this F's up the depth chart, basically. It it, it screws up the rotations, not having a guy as important as a, a defensive player of the year candidate in Rob Williams. So what are your thoughts on life after Rob now for uh, the short stretch run of the regular season, five more games into the first round of the playoffs when we, at least for that period of time, know Rob Williams will not be available?
1: Yeah, I think when we look at like their recent sample of games and we talk about a grouping of two losses, I care and put more stock into the Dallas loss and the Miami loss than I do the Toronto one. Cause like you said, like nobody's playing like that one. It's a throwaway game. It's frustrating because of, you know, how they lost it. But the, the concern losses are the Dallas and the Miami one simply because of how they finished. But what I do think, and I think Rob played in that one. So to to answer your more Rob-specific question, you're just starting to see opposing teams' approaches shift. Now guys are way more comfortable shooting in the paint. Now they're pulling up these little mid-range 10-foot jumpers, like whether it's Jimmy Butler or it's Siakam or things like that, knowing that guys like Tice, guys like Grant, they don't have the same sort of leaping and reach ability That Rob does. So, you know, I think so much of Rob's, you know, defensive presence is lumped in with the shots that he blocks, but it's really the shots that guys don't take because they're intimidated or worried about Rob. Like, think about every time the Celtics play the Jazz, right? You don't see Jalen or Tatum or Smart really even mess with attacking the paint simply because of the Gobert factor of him being in the general area. Right. Like we saw Siakam do nothing but put his head down and finish through Daniel Tice, finish through Grant, because he didn't have to worry about Rob coming over from the weak side. We saw them. We saw Jimmy Butler last night live in that little mid-range pull up. We saw Dwayne Dedman attack. Like I've never seen Dwayne Dedman make so many layups in his life that you just know is different because of the confidence they have without having to deal with Rob. So I think those are the areas And when things slow down in the playoffs and teams just exploit your weaknesses, like that's all playoff basketball is, is exploiting weaknesses. We're going to see teams feel more comfortable operating in the paint and around the rim because there isn't that roaming like death trap of a Rob Williams, you know, help side and primary defender. And that's why it's so important for the perimeter defenders to hold their own and not give up you know, easy access into the paint because they do not have the length. Horford can only do so much. Mm-hmm. So they just do not have the length to adapt to that type of offensive approach. Whereas before, you could feel comfortable if Jimmy Butler was ISOed on Rob Williams, you would feel okay with him settling for a mid range jumper because you know it would be contested. Now you can just see they're going into those shots with so much more confidence and there is no resistance right now.
0: Thing is, 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 important as his defense is and it really does you know he's one of the tone setters for this team it's not just defense you know I I know he's a guy that only gives you 10 points a game but it's a loud 10 points a game you know the the lobs the thunderous dunks he's obviously an elite passer for a big and in general he's just a he's a really good passer he's a key cog in that offense that I I really do think I, I know as the adage goes like great defense leads to good offense and all of that but I think he's he's going to be missed just as much on that side of the ball.
1: Definitely, because if you think about it, I don't think it's a stretch to say the Celtics are not exactly what I would call an efficient shooting team, True. right? So when night after night after night, you're getting, you know, performances where Rob goes five for six or six for seven, right? Like you said, a lot of them are lobs, but a lot of them are like offensive putbacks. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing, last night's a perfect example, yeah. When you remove those, it's not just the 10 points, but it's the efficiency of those 10 points. So now we have guys like Grant who are like, are missing wide open layups. Like those are dunks. Like when we have, you know, someone like Jalen or Derek White driving to the rim and maybe misses a layup short, it's Rob that was usually cleaning up that offensive rebound for a putback. So now it just puts the pressure on them offensively to make such better decisions with their shot selection because they're losing you know, an, a 75% shooter from their offense and they're losing that efficient 10 points, it has to come from somewhere. And last night is a perfect example of teams are going to say, okay, everybody else but Tatum shoot. We know you're not going to get the offensive rebound with Rob out on the floor. We know you don't have a lob threat for easy points. So like, go ahead and beat us. It's basically the exact same thing we saw in the very first Isaiah Thomas playoff series against the Hawks. When they just doubled them and they said, okay, Kelly Olenek beat us from three and he shot like 23%. And they lost in what, five, six games Mm -hmm. in that series because they were a one-dimensional scoring team. Right now, that's what it looked like last night to me. They were just one-dimensional who were dared to shoot and dared to score. And they didn't have that, you know, safety valve of Rob just cleaning everything up.
0: Let's take one quick break, tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. As we know, after months of playing, college basketball has now reached the final four. It's going to be Kansas, Villanova, Duke, North Carolina. What a way for Coach K to go out, obviously, and uh, it'll determine this year's national champion this coming week. Looking to wager on these games? Well, head on over to betonline.ag. Go to the mobile device, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code. It's easy to remember. It is CLNS 50 to get you started again. That is CLNS 50 bet online, your top spot for all your updated odds and information along with player props, great contests, all throughout the year as well. Your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, NBA playoffs, futures, awards, whatever you want to bet on, obviously. Baseball futures is that season beginning in about a week. Of course, football futures, all the quarterback movement in the NFL, among others. You know, coach of the year candidates. Maybe you believe in Todd Bowles now that he is the man running the ship in Tampa Bay, Uh, including, of course, live betting, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games as well. Super easy to get you started. Make sure you join today. Learn why everybody is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games bet online, where the game starts. You can dive in, look at Celtics title odds and all that good stuff as well. Just uh, probably not quite as good as they were at this time last week, but uh, nevertheless, you can jump in. So in that, you know, that in mind, there are a lot of people, like I was tweeting about that loss uh, against Miami and our buddy Max Letterman from over at NBC Sports Boston guy who's, you know, heads up, uh, among other things, but sort of best known on, on Twitter anyway, for all the great graphics that you tend to see the lower well, thirds well, on social media. What's that? I was going to say, he's a legend. For- yeah, legend. No, he's yeah. great. And he's been on this show. We we love Max. But, you know, I was tweeting about Miami. He says, Miami, you know, they, the heater frauds. That was his opinion. And that led to a whole discourse on, on Twitter and my mentions and his mentions. He brought it upon himself, obviously. But what I'm curious with you, you know, I don't believe Rob's coming back this year. You don't believe Rob's coming back this year. From the, the standpoint of it's just easier that way. And if he does, great. You know, we already talked about that. But under the mindset that Rob is unavailable going forward. If you were to rank the teams in the East, say one through three, we won't do all of them, but one through three, your top three that you're most scared of for the Celtics to match up with at some point in the postseason, what are they?
1: Fully healthy. I mean, like both sides are obviously without Rob, but like. I would, I
0: would just say the, you know, what, what exists now is what will exist then. That's
1: what I mean. Right. So like, Everyone but Rob is good. Everybody on the opposing teams Correct. are good. I would say probably Yeah, like the,
0: the Nets will have Kyrie and Durant and they won't have Simmons. That kind of thing.
1: I would say probably Bucks Nets Heat Bucks Nets Heat.
0: That's exactly the order I put them in. That's yeah. exactly my same order. You know, I thought I thought I about Philly, but I just think they I I think they can beat Embiid and they can beat Harden. Yeah you know, it's yeah. for me. And I, I know Embiid falls into this category, but without Rob, it's like, you don't have an answer for Giannis, you know, Durant and Irving can each torture for 50 points on a given night. And, and bam, like bam just has his way with the Celtics. I yeah. called the, call the heat frauds all you want. That's a team can get hot shooting. We've seen it against the Celtics yeah. in the playoffs. They make me nervous.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if I would call the heat frauds per se, right? Like, they have a body of work that is similar to yours in terms of like wins over 500, you know, road wins, um, you know, defensive metrics, point differential, like everything that we like to say was what makes the Celtics for real. Like Miami also has. So I also just think they're a deeper team than someone like Philly in terms of their bench shooting. You know, they have, I think that's where Philly, and, you know, the coaching difference there is obviously pretty substantial between Doc and Spo, mm. um, But the Celtics dating back to the double do not have an answer for the Bam and Butler pick and roll. They just don't have it. It's they can go to that in the well whenever they need it. And it always either ends up in points or, you know, at the or, you know, some sort of foul or anything like that. But make no mistake, if the Celtics play like they did last night any of the top six teams in the East can beat that, right? Like Philly would beat this team with the effort we saw last night, 17 turnovers, you know, awful execution down the stretch. Like the Celtics need to play to their potential. And if they do, those are the only three teams that I would say, okay, this might you know, be a little bit of a hiccup, but I would still feel like, I still feel confident if the Celtics play to their potential, they can beat any of those top three teams because they have the body of work of doing that. I just think not having Rob doesn't end their chances, doesn't ruin their season. It just makes their margin for error even smaller. Now, when you have empty offensive possessions of careless basketball, it hurts 10 times more because of, you know, he's not there on the other end to make up for it, right? Like when you have poor shot selection or just like you're losing your composure down the stretch. It's just magnified because there's no Rob. They can still reach the ceilings that make them a successful and a contending team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, they do not like the nets or someone like the bucks, they can play poorly and still win just because of how insane their talent level is. The Celtics last night is an example, they can't play a few pegs down on their potential of their ceiling and still hang with those guys. And that's what, that's what the playoffs are going to come down to is can they put a consistent run where they play to their potential because the other teams are going to be good and the other teams are playoff tested and you're not going to be able to say, Oh, you know, the Celts shot 30% from three and still won." like that's not going to happen most nights I would imagine in a tougher playoff series. So that's how I would group it, but I wouldn't say like, I would still pick the Celts over the Heat in a series just because, you know, it took them playing terribly to lose by eight points like that. Right. They still kept them before the end of game free throws. They kept them right around a hundred points, which is normally a recipe for success. They still had 27 assists, which is usually a recipe for success. They were just too careless with the ball. They choked, pooped their pants in, in execution time. <laughs> And I just, the biggest thing I hated about last night was every time it seems when the heat play them physical and some calls don't go their way, they just lose all their composure and they just aren't that mentally tough team that they're going to need to be when the stakes are at their highest.
0: Well, and you were tweeting about that, too, uh, among others, obviously, that like Marcus Martin, I know it was at the very end, but he gets ejected. Jason Tatum gets his 13th technical of the year and admitted, you know, he's he I I like the way he framed it. You know, he said, look, it's it's loud. You got 20,000 people screaming. Sometimes you kind of have to raise your voice a little bit to talk to an official just so he hears you. But obviously, you know, I. Overstepped. I I didn't do things right. You know, most of the texts I've received this year, 10 out of 12 or whatever I, I would agree with, I understand, and I don't want to cost myself a game going forward. But that really was, you know, in, in, in an otherwise what's been an all NBA caliber year for, for Jason Tatum, especially even after that really slow start to the year last night was, it was a, it was a throwback in the wrong way. You know, it was, it was the wrong kind of Tatum that we hadn't been seeing in, in a long time for this team. That he the he he can't let the officials, never mind the opponents, but the officials especially, he can't let them get in his head.
1: No, to be honest, like he was like that was bad. I thought Grant was the worst one at it last night. Hmm. I thought Grant like really lost his marbles a little bit, and like he's a great role player, but like he's also Grant Williams, you know. Like yeah. when is like there, not once a season have we seen him react the way he did. And then an official be like, oh, you know what, Grant? Like, you're right, man. I'm totally just going to revert. <laughs> My bad. Like, yeah, like that's never happened. And what we saw last night where there were plays where he got like beat, thought he got fouled. So he committed a foul and then complained about it. And it's like, that's not A, you don't have the status in the league where a ref is going to give a crap what you say to them. And B, you're like arguing on calls where like, you made a mistake or committed a foul. And I just feel like recently during all this road trip, he's just been very, he hasn't gotten teched or teed up. I don't think too much about it, but like he talks a lot and he complains a lot. And I just think, I don't know if that's, you know, cause it's coming from the top down and everyone now feels like that, like empowered to do so, but it wasn't like Marcus did it. Jalen did it. Tatum did it. Grant did it. Like, what happened to when Emei said, like, listen, I'm going to complain to the refs. Nobody's going to bitch to the refs. Like, that was a lie because that has not been <laughs> what we've seen recently. And I just I just think they have to know going in, they're going to be on the wrong end of calls. They're going to be things that are bogus. But that's not why they lost. They lost through poor execution. They lost turning the ball over. They lost missing layups. Like, yeah. those are self-inflicted wounds And it just comes off to me like, you don't want to take the responsibility to correct what you're doing in that moment. You'd rather just complain to the refs. And that makes my blood boil. Like, I cannot stand that just because like, you know, I thought we were past that. I thought, you know, it's not like this is the first game during the last three months that the, uh, the Celtics have been on the wrong end of certain calls. like. You just have to, especially against this Heat team that just went through this in the bubble, right? Like every one of their collapses in the bubble revolved around this exact same issue, poor execution, turnovers, and losing composure. Like it's not a new thing that the Heat are physical. It's not a new thing that Jason Tatum can't get calls in his own building, right? So this is their fifth, sixth year in the league, whatever it is, you have to be able to rise above that And I just think like the true killers in the league, like when Kevin Durant gets mad, what does he do? Does he like complain to the officials or does he go out and bury the opposition of like, all right, you're not going to give me a foul call. Like I'm not going to need a foul because I'm just going to bury this stuff in your eyeball. Like we didn't see that last night. We saw them unravel and that, and like, that was the first thing Ime said post game, which tells me all day today during their film session, that's what they're going to talk about. It has to be.
0: Well, so again, the like you can't look at the Toronto game because it was basically the main Celtics that were playing the Raptors. But, you know, last night, it's this Miami game, was it, they didn't play well, but was it a one-off to you? Or do you think we saw some signs, this is us getting psychological, I guess, but were they a little rattled just not having Rob? Like this, we're, we're a little out of sorts from what we've been so used to for months of success.
1: It's probably a little bit of both, but that's why I keep, I put more stock into the the Mavs finish than the Raptors finish because they still had the same, you know, empty trips, scoring droughts, defensive lapses in the fourth quarter against that Mavs team. Luke ends up ripping their heart out and Whitty ends up ripping their heart out. So like, that's a situation where we saw the same sort of problem. They didn't have like the mental, like composure breakdown because they're, oh, well, I should say, depending on how you feel about that smart foul or that Luca foul on smart at the end, down three. But like their issues in that game were executional the same way they were executional in this game. So for me, it's just like the heat went zone. Why didn't they put Tatum at the nail? Like there are things that we've seen them do to break that zone that just did not exist. We know teams are going to double Tatum. So, why not put him in a position where they can't double him if you pass him the ball? Instead of passing it to him on the wing where he's immediately going to get doubled, put him in the middle of the zone. And then, if someone doubles him, we saw the one time it happened in the fourth, he had that dump down to Tice for the dunk. And I think that broke like a four minute stretch where they didn't score. So, like, that's where I'm looking more towards Ime. Like, that's not a Rob thing, that's a strategy and approach thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, Like the players need to recognize that, but also Ime, just like what Brad struggled with in the bubble, they like can't figure out when Miami goes to that hard trapping zone, put your best player on the nail and you like, they can't double him. And if they do, he's in a much more advantageous position to find a cutter, find someone on the baseline. But when he's getting trapped on the wing, That's when you start to see the hockey assists and now a non-shooter is being asked to make an open three and the Heat are just going to play the percentages and that's what they did and that's why they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter.
0: I wish Greeny that uh, here in March, almost April of 2022, we weren't talking about COVID still as it relates to the NBA, but it's, it's a popular topic right now after that game in Toronto because the conspiracy theorists will tell you that Tatum Brown and Horford didn't play in that game because they're not vaccinated and they're not allowed in Canada. And there was the mandate, obviously, that you know for anyone asking that did change January 15th uh, with regard to unvaccinated players being able to enter the country and play in those games. And obviously the possibility of these teams clashing in the playoffs, it's okay. who's going to be available? Everybody that just played, we know is available. But for anyone that wants to look to the last time the Celtics were in Toronto, that was November. All three of those guys did play, Mm -hmm. but that was before the mandate. So January 15th, Things did change. The Celtics have not been in Toronto since, except for the guys that just played the other night. Now, Jason Tatum came out at the beginning of the year and said he is vaccinated. So you don't have to worry about that. So now you have Brown and now you have Horford. Okay. And this is me being a little bit of a hypocrite admittedly um, because if it's like, if, if you don't like the questions, Kaufman, just jump in the zoom and ask a better question. But you know, we're getting questions like about Horford the other night Basically, dancing around the topic, saying, uh, Hey, so, you know, some people are wondering, you know, you, you missed the game for personal reasons. And if the Celtics had to play a, a, a playoff game in Toronto, could you play? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just saying, Hey, Al, you vaccinated? Right. You know, because that at least will lead to it, either he's going to say yes or he's going to dance around it. And anyone that dances around it, you're going to know where they stand on it. You know, I, I know he said, I'd be good to go to play wherever, but. Mm-hmm. That just means he could go get the shot now. Doesn't mean that he is vaccinated. And so you've you've had obviously enough people come out and say, you know, I I just don't know. I don't know. There there is a there's a belief or a concern over whether obviously Brown and Horford are in fact vaccinated. Are you worried about this? Do you have any theories about this that that maybe I, I've I've missed on social media? No, I'm I'm
1: workshopping a lot of different angles to this because. Okay. <clears throat> There's just, I'm just not sure everything adds up depending on what, on how you look at everything we've been told and have seen. So if you remember back in when Peyton Pritchard broke his nose back in October, B Rob and Mass Live, who obviously like B Rob's connected. He's when he says something, I, I put stock into it. Mm -hmm. He wrote in, there's an article that he wrote talking about Pritchard, like going back when he broke his nose. I think it was in like Orlando. It talked about when Horford and Jalen went back into the protocols. It says like league sources have, you know, indicated to mass live that Tatum and Brown were breakthrough cases and were both vaccinated. Right. So that was in October, November, whatever. Then you start to see, you know, we have Emei, you know, they don't make the trip to Toronto post the rule changes, but that's understandable. It's a back-to-back, we're doing the rest thing. You know, they were on the injury report, like, fine, whatever. So that might say, okay, that's not fishy. Then you have Emei that comes out and says, everybody that's healthy will be active to play wherever. So you're thinking, why would he say that? And then you hear, you know, the rumblings, that the Celtics as a team are saying no comment. Yeah. Well, what do we know about people that are vaccinated? They'll tell you they're vaccinated. Yeah, they're, they'll like,
0: shout it from the mountaintops.
1: Like, like if I'm vaccinated, I don't dodge the question. So then I'm thinking like, if they were vaccinated, it's like kind of like you know, if you have something to hide on your phone, you don't let your girlfriend go through your phone. If you don't, <laughs> you say, okay, here you go. Like knock yourself. There's no, yeah. there's no hesitation whatsoever. You're in a
0: happy relationship, just to confirm? Oh, happy.
1: She can go through whatever she wants.
0: All right, good, good.
1: So then I'm thinking like, okay, there might be something to it. And then last night we have Al come out and say, I'm clear to play wherever, I'm good. So then I'm thinking, I go back to Imei's quote of when, you know, we know Ime says whatever, sometimes gets him in trouble. The next time they were asked about it, the team gives a no comment. So I'm thinking... Let me go back and re-listen to what he said. And here's where, again, this is a complete delusional, like tinfoil hat. I'm just this, trying to understand. This,
0: this is you as Charlie Day with all the strings yeah, on the wall. I'm, uh, yeah.
1: I'm just trying to understand how he could say something like what he said about if you're healthy, you're active. And then there's still being this question. And here's where I've netted out. Okay. If you are on the injury report, you are not considered healthy, right? Right. Even if it's like a rest day, you have to be put on the injury report with some sort of designation, right? If you have to sit out with COVID, you get put on the injury report for health and safety, whatever they call it, right? Like whatever Kyrie was under when he couldn't play is like, it's designated. Yeah. So if you're on the injury report, you are not quote unquote healthy.
0: Right. And you don't have to be on the injury report for that. They can just say knee because right, either knee. way, right. If it's right. health and
1: safety, whatever. Right. So, so if you're, if you go back to Ema's quote and he says, as far as I know, right. Like anyone who's healthy will be good to play wherever. Well, if he knows that there's someone on his roster that will have to be on the injury report because of COVID, then he's not lying when he says mm-hmm. everybody who's quote unquote healthy will be able to play wherever, because if that, if they end up going to Toronto and everybody's healthy and that's a full roster, he's telling the truth.
0: Yeah. It's a if lesson in semantics, to,
1: right? If we get to that Toronto game and now there's someone on the injury report, well, he wasn't lying in March when he said that everyone that was healthy would play, because if you're on the injury report for COVID, you're not quote unquote healthy because if you were healthy, you wouldn't be on the injury report. Yeah. So for initial, my initial reaction, when I heard that is like, Oh, this is just some like Celtics lost the game and here comes the drama, just like always. But then you start to think through it. And it's like, if the team is like not openly, you know, cause there are teams that willingly said we're all vexed, we're good. No yeah. problem. There are two that didn't like, You're not doing that if there's not something and the way that he phrased it, he sort of is like protected no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the quote to the masses says, everybody who's healthy, you're coming off saying the reason that they didn't travel was because they were on the injury report. Right. So like, maybe we do have an issue. And if Horford is going to come out last night and say, it's not him.
0: That points to Jalen, right? Like, just by well, doing. No, I mean, Horford didn't really say it's not him. He just said like I'll be good to go wherever, but he didn't say, "Yeah, I'm vaccinated. I can play." Right, like roster. he
1: didn't. Answer, so that's another thing. Like, so it's either a like was that his way of saying like I am that Like, but again, you could have just said it. So, right. I think initially when it all first happened, I was like, I dismissed it. But yeah. then I just started to look back, and once I saw the team deny it, and like it just didn't, it didn't make sense. So like what happened to that B Rob report from October Mm. where they were breakthrough cases because they were vaccinated. But now when you see the ESPN story or anything like that, there's no mention of them being breakthrough cases or vaccinated. Like who wasn't telling like something doesn't, it just doesn't add up. So I don't think that people are like, I don't think B Rob is making it up. I just think He's going off the information that he's told. Right. And I'm not sure that that information, because who knows, maybe at October, they didn't think that this would be a deal in March. So I just, I'm not willing to say it's absolutely nothing. I'm more starting to lean towards it might actually be something. And that's why seating becomes even more important.
0: So in in your summation, then, just to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but to put words in your mouth and tell me if you disagree. You believe Jalen, just your belief. You believe Jalen Brown is unvaccinated and Al Horford, you just don't know.
1: I'd say I just don't know on either of them at this point because yeah. I don't know. I didn't see any of the quotes. If anyone asked Jalen
0: the same, I don't know. I don't if he think he's get... spoken with the media since.
1: Yeah. And like, that's a little concerning,
0: right? Because if you... well, he's not there, you know, every game and it's just been the True. one game.
1: So I would just say like, It's too, it's impossible to make a proclamation one way or another Mm -hmm. on which one or both or whatever. The only thing I can say is when you look at everything that we know of as fact of things that have happened and been reported and talked about and said in public, it doesn't really, it doesn't line up as you would think that if there were zero smoke. And that doesn't mean that they if one of them or both or either, whatever that they just were maybe waiting, maybe they didn't want to get it. And then, but we're down to get it. If something like this came up where, you know, they may not be available in a playoff series. Okay, I'll get it. Like that is entirely possible too. But I just think like, Woj went on TV last night in the pregame and basically said Tatum and Brown are vaccinated. Like he said it without saying it. And I just think like, it just wouldn't make sense for all that to exist like out of thin air. But I don't think anyone can say, oh, this person is this person is because like we don't know. We truly don't know. I just think it just it just doesn't all add up is what I would say. It just it doesn't fit like it would of if there really was no smoke, because like we said, if you're vaccinated, you are not shy about telling people you are yeah. vaccinated. If you are a team that has talked about, you know, that doesn't have any issues, you have no problem saying my entire roster is vaccinated. So, like the fact that they aren't is just, I mean, it's it's eyebrow rising, is all I can say.
0: So, this team, this time last week, we were talking about it with Gorman, you know, all's right in the world, and you're gonna play who you're whoever you're gonna play, you're not scared of anybody. Ime now has been asked repeatedly questions about jockeying for seating, and he has been consistent in saying our priority is health and playing well. That's what we put first over where we finish in the standings. Do you believe with five games left and everything as tight as it is that this team either will be or should be jockeying for seeding to align that first round playoff opponent? So
1: I still think with five games left, there's, I still believe they're just trying to get as high as like, I don't think they're avoiding anything on March 31st. I think if we get to the last two games of the year, so that's Memphis and Milwaukee and then Memphis If they are, if it's like unattainable for them to move up, like, because let's say they go on a little bit skid and then like, let's say it's not a, a a one game or a half game separation between, you know, four and three or four and two, whatever. Let's say they're like a game and a half back with the last two. Mm. Then I would think it might make sense if they selectively rest to lock in Miami, or to lock in Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn in the same half of the bracket, assuming the Heat maintain the number one seed, right? But I think if they're still, if everything is still as tight as it is now on those last two games of the season, you're going to see them play play the string how you would, you know, they're not going to be punting games. Yeah. So I still think there's a possibility for that. I do not think we are at that point now because if, because I think personally, you want it to be either the one or the four for a variety of reasons. One, let's say you want to dodge Brooklyn, fine. But the other is, if you now have to have a Toronto situation, you don't want to be three. You, want, you don't want to see that three, if they're going to be the sixth seed, you don't want that three, six matchup in the first round. So that means you need to either finish one or four. Well, losing last night, I mean, you're down two games in the loss column with five to play. You probably just gave up the one seed possibility. So if Miami is going to finish one, you want to finish four. But if they go on a little bit of a drop and let's say the Bucks finish one, then I think, okay, you want, like, you want to still strive for that two seed. And if that means you play Brooklyn, like, so be it. Um, I just think it's, it's a situation where they're going to have to play their best regardless of who they play. So I think that's why they were gunning so hard for the one seed, but it would not surprise me if we get to those last two where they take a look at the landscape and say, okay, like, we're not going to be able to move up. We may as well do what we can to then not have to face one of those three Brooklyn, my, or uh, Milwaukee or the Sixers until the conference finals. Like that's just, even if you, are confident against them. That's just like common sense to where if you can just force them to all play each other, do that. But things are still too tight with five games left. I don't think they're already thinking that way just yet.
0: So this is something I've been uh, eager to ask you, uh, especially of late. And we had our, our fun on Twitter the other night with the Brad Stevens picture. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> after the, uh, the oh I saw it. I, I'm, yeah.
1: all, I'm never sleeping. I saw uh, that. Uh,
0: apparently, I know I didn't. Your your hours are about as weird as mine. But the yeah. uh, what, what was funny about it was, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, like any time. There's any sort of negative news surrounding a star in another market, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, Brad Beal, Damian Lillard, like you name it. You know, you are immediately out there, like the the shtick gimmick, whatever. You're you're tweeting the same Brad picture, uh, Brad Stevens uh, picture of you know him basically side eyeing the the. the, the,
1: Yeah, yeah. It started with my favorite Danny Ainge picture, maybe on the internet. Right at a press conference, being like, "What? Oh, really? So, yeah, that." It started probably like two or three years ago. Yeah. And it like you said, it doesn't matter. They don't even have to be a good player. To be <laughs> honest, it's basically be like, literally anytime there's any sort of unrest or reports, right. you, even if I don't even want them on the Celtics, I just, I have to do it. It's a rule.
0: Well, and that's exactly where I wanted to go with this because a friend of mine, I, I, I sent it out just sort of yeah. mimicking you and a friend of yeah. mine texted me immediately and said, just out of curiosity, do you even want donovan mitchell on this team and i said it actually like that's i've been thinking about this not as it relates specifically to donovan mitchell but you know like if if we if if we got to play gm and not only got to play gm but lived in this like video game fantasy world where we could pull off a trade where you're not trading your core okay so tatum smart rob you know, obviously Brown, like all these, none of them are moving. So you're mm-hmm. packaging picks or bench guys or what? Like Horford, maybe, but but your key for none of them are moving. Mm-hmm. What do you want to add to in this like perfect world where a guy might even be like semi realistically attainable? So you know, I don't know. I'll I'll give you a couple of names that I was discussing with with my friend, and neither one of them he, he made this point, you know, he's like, honestly, the guys that I think would fit this team best, that would just be great additions, either one of them. And neither one is at least in this moment, a star, like a star star in the way that we talk about Mitchell Beal, Lillard guys like that. He's like Evan Mobley, you know, OG Ananobi, like these guys would be a freaking dream. Like, you know, like finish the puzzle kind of guy for the Boston Celtics. I'm wondering who would you want to acquire for this team to really like round out this club in, in just the best way imaginable?
1: So I have, for me, it's more positional, right? Like I yeah. still think they need a, a, you know, proven consistent shooter. And I think they need to find and address the long-term solution for a post Al Horford world. Yeah. So I think, it, I think what we've seen with those core group that you talked about is we've seen they're a wagon, right? Like, it's not like, some teams, it's like, oh, we need that third star piece to reach that level. Right. I think we now have a sample of saying, like, that is no longer, like, it's no longer a Bradley yeah, Rob Be-go can be like, that three. Right. Or like, you know, the comp. it's just how the pieces work together. They also have the 17 million TPE to work with. So yeah. it's like, you can find some ways to bring in some decent sized salary type player to address those needs. You don't need to give up a core piece. So I think bring in the pieces that I think can, can address those needs. So for me, the shooting is tough. Like maybe it's someone like a, a Kevin Hoyter or Hooter, however you say his name. Yeah. Like if they're not, if they're not down to, you know, pay all those guys moving forward, he doesn't make a ton of money, right? His salary is reasonable. My dream. And I think there's like a minimal percent chance. I want Wendell Carter. He only—he just signed a four-year, fifty-million-dollar extension that starts next season. So he's only making twelve or so million dollars a year. He could theoretically fit into that four-year TPE. Yeah. And if you have to give up, like you know, a Nee Smith, a Grant, like if you have to overpay for that because he fits on the Rob Tatum. He's only twenty-two years old. Mm -hmm. All of his draft-day comps are basically Al Horford he's who I would target. Like the magic, who knows? They're about to, they're about to ship off. I imagine Terrence Ross, like they need to pay maybe Mo Bamba, like who knows? Maybe they're just like, you could, you know, jumpstart their rebuild. If you have to overpay with picks, who the hell knows? So I would think for them, it's the full term, long-term solution in a post Al world and a more consistent wing shooter is, is how I, would. and maybe Nesmith grows into that, but like, it wouldn't hurt to address that with a proven commodity, you know, whether it's in free agency or by trade.
0: All right. Last thing for you before I let you go. Not that I'm, uh, you know, looking for com- more competition in what's already an incredibly saturated uh, market here w- without without question. But I mean, with with the stool being what it is, like, where's your Celtics podcast?
1: We'll see. It's, it's an interesting question. I get asked that a lot. I think for me, it's it's something where, I mean, I just love being a guest on people's shows. I think that's, yeah. that's great. It still yeah. kind of trips me out that like people even give a shit what I even have to say regardless yeah. about this team. So who knows? I, I never say never, but it would have to be something that would have to be done. Right. And you know, we'll see, but for now, I just like to like, take my time, think out my takes in written form and, and, and gut check myself there. But if they were to call me tomorrow and say, Hey, we demand that you make one, I probably would. So it's, it's just one of those. I just would want to do it right. Find You know, I don't know if it's a solo thing, find the right person. There's a lot that goes into it. So I would never say never. And I would never want to steal downloads from all these shows that I love listening to and going on. So yeah, uh, I'd say never say never, but in the meantime, please just click on all the blogs. That's how, how I would phrase it.
0: Yeah, eyeballs. We, yeah, eyeballs. What ears? What eyeballs?
1: And, and everyone you know in your family, please click on the blogs. That's <laughs> all I ask.
0: Well, we always enjoy having you on, obviously. Again, the show is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% Sign up bonus. It uh this was this was good. I think this was a little therapeutic for both of us just to talk through what's going on.
1: Yeah, I just think it's important to remember that, like, even though the Celtics just had one of the most successful stretches of 30 games in the last like 30 years, they do still have flaws, and yep. those flaws can still come up. And it's not like they're not the the sons who are literally perfect at everything they do, like. <laughs> They have the potential to be on that level for stretches, but like there are still warts. There are still issues that they're going to need to address heading into the playoffs. And that's ultimately what's going to decide their fate, I think.
0: Which is why Monty Williams will be coach of the year not Ime Doka folks for anyone. Right. That's and he should wondering.
1: be back to back, but that's a whole different,
0: <laughs> that's a whole different. Uh, what I thought you were going to say is, uh, and that's why it's important that we all remember this is all Evan's fault. Just well,
1: Let's not forget that might be the top I'm gonna have to put that I didn't know that yeah I gotta put that. that in the blog that, that's going at the top of my blog I think if they if they lose on Friday and he's not working he might get the entire you know bad section just just to him.
0: At least a negative tweet or something. Yes,
1: like. I, I mean enough already.
0: All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks to Dan Greenberg. I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks to Evan Valenti, who undoubtedly is out there listening anyway. Come back soon. The Celtics—they need you, my friend. Thanks to our entire crew at CLNS, and uh, yeah, let's let's end the skid. This little two gamer. Next time out. We'll talk to you soon. Playoffs right around the corner, folks.